Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Geo and Joey Show. Joey, how are you doing today? Doing great. Awesome, dude. Hey, tell us what we're going to be watching today and talking about. Today, we're going to be reacting to a clip from Mayor Eric Adams of New York City. I thought it was a pretty interesting clip because it touches on a lot of topics that we talk about, separation of church and state, religious liberty, and also what it means to be a moral and virtuous citizen. I mostly agree, actually, with the sentiments that Mayor Adams, who is not somebody I generally agree with, he's a li- kind of a liberal Democrat, but I agree with the sentiments he expressed, even though I would push back on some of his wording, particularly in regards to separation of church and state. But I think he's getting at a good point. So we'll flush that out as we watch. Okay, let's dive right in. Mayor Adams gives a rousing speech on mixing religion and politics. CBS2 political reporter Marsha Kramer tells us, while some people agree, for others, the mayor touched a nerve. When we took prayers out of schools, guns came into schools. Andy was off and running. Mayor Adams sermonizing at an interfaith breakfast about the importance of beliefs, all beliefs, in dealing with the ills facing the city. We've become so hip, so cool, so Instagram-ish, so Facebook-ish, so Twitter-ish, that Adams gives a rousing speech on mixing religion and politics. CBS2 political reporter Marsha Kramer tells us, while some people agree, for others, the mayor touched a nerve. When we took prayers out of schools, guns came into schools. Andy was off and running. Mayor Adams sermonizing at an interfaith breakfast about the importance of beliefs, all beliefs, in dealing with the ills facing the city. We've become so hip, so cool, so Instagram-ish. So Facebook-ish, so Twitter-ish, that we have tick-tock our way out of the humanity that we've always known. But it was when he was talking about his own strong beliefs that the mayor ran into the buzzsaw of political correctness. Don't tell me about no separation of church and state. State is the body, church is the heart. You take the heart out of the body, the body dies. I can't separate my belief because I'm an elected official. That prompted an immediate response from NYCLU Executive Director Donna Lieberman, who took him to task. It is odd that Mayor Adams would need a refresher on the First Amendment, Lieberman said. After all, he has sworn to uphold the Constitution more than once, first as a police officer, later as a state representative, and then last year on becoming mayor. The very opening passage of the Bill of Rights makes clear that church and state must be separate. The mayor's press secretary defended his boss. The policies we make as an administration are rooted in the mayor's belief in the creator. The mayor personally believes all of our faiths would ensure we are humane to one another. While everyone in the room immediately understood what the mayor meant, it's unfortunate that some have attempted to hijack the narrative in an effort to misrepresent the mayor's comments. The mayor also received incoming from some of his left-wing critics who accused him of advancing right-wing Christian talking points. I'm Marsha Kramer, CBS 2 News. Well, the first thing I wanted to point out is he made some really good points. I was actually just talking to my dad about this. He grew up in a public school in New York City, and it was a heavily Jewish community. And they'd talk about the Torah sometimes. It was in the public school. And they, would have, they wouldn't necessarily pray a lot to Jesus, but they'd pray to God. And that was just a normal thing. That was a public school. And that was because that community was predominantly Jewish. And, but just throughout the country, it was a more or less a normal thing for teachers to pray with students. There was Bibles in schools. And as long as parents were okay with that, 
I don't think that's a violation of separation of church and state. Obviously, he throws that line in there, right? He says, well, don't tell me about no separation of church and state. Obviously, as a Protestant, I disagree with that. And so I want to state that unequivocally. I disagree. There is a separation of church and state, right? We've talked about it. There's the two roles. But I almost think what he's responding to here is the mischaracterization of what the separation of church and state is that we've often seen, often from the left, which he's obviously on the left, where any mention of faith or God or prayer in the public sphere is all of a sudden, oh, that's separation of church and state. We got to squash that. And he's saying, no, he's like, my faith informs how I act publicly. He's like, obviously, he mentioned issues like crime, issues like violence, school shootings. The society secularized and Rather than just say we're not going to privilege one religion over another, we've almost privileged secularization over all religion. We almost have a state religion of secularism. In that way, I appreciated the mayor's comments. The left, their problem is they don't understand that it's the separation of church and state and it's freedom of religion, not freedom from religion. In other words, the majority of the people in the United States are religious. I give them the benefit of doubt, especially with the second clip we're going to talk about, that who I am as a Christian, who you are as a Christian, it's going to inform our day-to-day lives. We're not just Christians on the weekends. We're Christians 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But as we stated on this channel, there is a separation of church and state. I'm not going to force anyone to believe the way I do. But there is also natural law. And when natural law comes into play, we all have a stake in the policies that natural law comes into play. And just because I'm religious, it doesn't exclude me from that, just like it doesn't exclude the atheist. This is where voting and persuasion and argumentation come into play. And we have to include everybody in the discussion when it pertains to natural law. One other thing that jumped out at me, too, is from the mayor's press secretary that responded, where he says, he's like, the policies the mayor pushes are rooted in his belief in a creator. And I think that's an important point, too, because why is religious liberty important? Why is it important that we allow people to worship or not worship according to the dictates of their conscience? Because they're created in the image of God, ultimately. We talk about human rights a lot. But sometimes we don't talk about the source of those. There's an atheist. He's a resident philosopher for the World Economic Forum, Bill Gates, these guys, Yuval Noah Harari. And he actually, in his book, I believe it was Sapiens, he actually was brutally honest where he said, human rights, in my view, are just a fiction that we've created. There's no, he's, I think the fiction's important, but really there's nothing undergirding them. I totally disagree. I believe human rights are grounded in the fact that humans, all humans, are created in the image of God. I appreciated that point as well from the mayor. To get a little bit more context of what the mayor said, we're going to show you a second clip where he goes and elaborates. Now, even here in this second clip, though, he does say things that Joey and I have to clarify because I think he left unclear. Let's go to the second clip. I want to ask about some comments that you made at an interfaith breakfast mm-hmm. uh, this week. I want our viewers to listen to it. Well, tell me about no separation of church and state. State is the body. Church is the heart. You take the heart out of the body, the body dies. 
I can't separate my belief because I'm an elected official. You also said you implement policies with a, quote, <clears throat> godlike approach and said, quote, when we took prayers out of schools, gum, guns came into schools. You know that those comments alarmed some people, even some religious, lead, religi religious leaders, rather, who were in the room. A rabbi who was there called it dangerous. Well, uh, listen, let's, let's be clear on something. Uh, the last words I said after I was sworn in is, so help me God. On our dollar bill, we have in God we trust. Uh, every president touched a religious book when they were sworn in, uh, except for three. Faith is who I am. And anyone who takes those words as stating that I'm going to try to compel people to follow my religion. No, I'm a, I'm a child of God. I believe that wholly. I'm going to follow the law. I'm not going to compel people who believe in whatever faith. It could be if you're in a synagogue, a Baptist church, a Buddhist temple. I'm in all of them. And that's what was in my, 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 my service. Just to be clear, do you fundamentally believe in the separation of church and state from a governing standpoint? No. What I believe is that you cannot separate your faith. Government should not interfere with religion and religion should not interfere with government. But I believe my faith right. pushes me forward on how I govern and the but, things that I do. Yeah, understandable. Mm -hmm. But the, one of the fundamentals of the Constitution is a separation of church and state when it comes to governing. When I just asked you that, you said, no, that's going to alarm some people. No, this is what I'm saying. I want to be very clear on this Please. so it won't, yeah, be, just, won't exactly. be distorted. Government should not interfere with religion. Religion should not interfere with government. That can't happen. And it should never happen. But my faith is how I carry out the practices that I do in the policy, such as helping people who are homeless, such as making sure that we show compassion in what we do in our city. Government should never be in religion. Religion should never be in government. And I hope I'm very clear on that. Now, before we jump into what the mayor said, I do want to give credit to the reporter. I haven't seen the larger interview, but in this clip, I thought she was very fair and her follow-up questions weren't gotcha questions. She was trying to get clarity from the mayor. I don't think he gave the best response to put people at ease and clarify what he meant. Even though I picked up on it, I think I would have used different wording. I loved most of his answer, except for that quick no. Because she said, do you believe in a separation of church and state in principle? And he's like, no. But then he goes on to describe what I think could reasonably described as a separation of church and state in the sense that he's saying he doesn't want to force others to worship like he does, which I think was a good answer. But Clarity in our language is important. I don't know if maybe this, the problem we're having is this lack of education in recent years around civics in this country where we're like, we don't know what a separation of church and state is. It could be that for Eric Adams, he thinks that separation of church and state means what the left has generally said it means, that his faith shouldn't influence his political views at all. But just to be clear, I do think his no was wrong. I agree. I think the way he responded quickly can leave the wrong impression. I would have said, yes, I believe in the separation of church and state, which I do. Let me clarify what I mean by that. And so that's the approach I would have taken. How would you have answered her question? In a short media clip like that, probably similar to you, what I'd love to see is more 
of the history of these ideas and the Protestant Reformation fleshed out in our public school system, in our Christian school system, so that we can have a citizenry that can better explain these things. There's a Christian writer that I know both of us really, right, were described that this country was basically founded and there was these two horns, these two pillars, right? One was a church without a pope and the other one was a state without a king. And we don't talk about that much, but it's like this idea, and it didn't come out of nowhere, right? It's the long history of religious war and oppression and stuff. So we finally developed a system of government where the church, and to Eric Adams' earlier point in his speech, where he said, the church is the heart, the state is the body, I think it says something to that effect. I agree mm-hmm. with that analogy in this sense. The state is supposed to govern, right, according to the, the second tablet of the Ten Commandments. But the church is supposed to be free to speak truth to power, to speak the truth, obviously, of the gospel, discipling individuals. But also, it was evangelical Christians who led the move to abolish slavery, right? It was evangelical Christians, largely, who led to the overturning of Roe versus Wade, right, and are leading calling out against the evil of abortion, the evil of abusing children in the name of transgenderism, right? So in other words, the church should speak to moral issues and to shape individuals' consciences, but ultimately, the church should not have the authority to enforce its dictates. The state should, as the heart, in preaching to those messages, but we just need to be very clarifying in our remarks. And to the audience, you know, what Joey meant that the government has power over the second table, it's not because the second tables are in the Ten Commandments. It's because those pertain to natural law, which we all agree upon. Nobody, no atheist thinks we should dishonor our parents. No atheist believes we should murder or steal or commit adultery. So those are all common to us. Now, us Christians, we view that as a six last commandments of the Ten Commandments. But when we're discussing this with the atheist, these are just natural laws that we all agree. And we all agree that the government does have some jurisdiction over morality. We're not letting people murder. We're not letting people impugn on somebody's reputation falsely. So things like that, we can all agree that that's the sphere of government. The government controls that you cannot steal. And that it is wrong to steal, whether it's intellectual ideas or money or stocks or bonds or whatever. So that's what we mean by that. And as far as our belief on separation of church and state, and we believe so strongly in that separation, is because look at the history. Anytime the church has ruled with both ecclesiastical authority and the power of the government, it's led to persecution. And that's why we will defend the religious liberty of Baptists, Catholics, Mormons, Muslims, because we don't want one religion ruling over the state. In the spirit of Eric Adams' comments, I think it's good to look back at our history and some of the people who laid out the foundations of this country and what they said about some of these issues. Let's look at some of these quotes that we have for the audience today. Here's the first one, read it and expound on it. So this is George Washington, the first president. He says, while we are zealously performing the duties of good citizens and soldiers, we certainly ought not to be inattentive to the higher duties of religion. To the distinguished character of patriot, it should be our highest glory 
to add the more distinguished character of Christian. What I see him saying here, obviously this isn't a guy, George Washington wasn't a theocrat, but what he was saying is, is that it is important for us to have moral character as citizens. And obviously he was a Christian, so that's what he was appealing to. But really it echoes along the same lines. We're not going to show this quote, but it's often repeated from John Adams, the guy who followed him to the presidency, where he said, our constitution was created for a moral and religious people and is wholly inadequate for the governance of any other. So in other words, and it's that age old question. It's like, we need virtue in order to be free. And yet we can't enforce it because it ceases to be virtue. And so that's why I would tell the churches, we got to do a better job of making sure that our message is appealing, of making sure that we're raising up our children to put on the armor of God. Right? We have to do that because the state can't do that, but the state requires that we do that. Right? It requires, in order for us to remain free, we have to make sure we're instilling good values in ourselves, first and foremost, to our children, and obviously to those who are willing to listen. The reason I like this Washington quote is because in this separation of church and state, the state is there to make sure people play fair, right? That if there's murder, the murderer is caught. But the values that the country dictates comes from people having a common morality. And now, granted, we may differ on what that is, but that's what the public square is for, for us to argue and persuade each other. And there are certain moral things that are transcendent every religion, like do not murder, do not steal, do not commit adultery. And so when we agree upon those or when people try to attack on those, that's when we see the decline in morality, which is why he said when we lost that notion of prayer and the heart, that's why we see people acting without heart. We see callous murders and callous abortions, and we see things that should not be held by people who have a higher duty and a higher responsibility, regardless of religion. Yeah, totally agreed. The one thing I would say, some of the objection to some of what uh, Eric Adams said, particularly in related to prayers in school, I think comes to the idea of people, we don't know where to place education, right? Because Obviously, the state has a role in public education. And yet, listen, I do think moral instruction and at least a knowledge of biblical values is a good thing to have in schools because it's a government institution, right? This line gets drawn. And I think as a conservative, what we should be advocating for as Protestant Christians is the authority of what's taught in the classroom should be in the hands of parents and local communities. If your local community comes together and says, we want our public school, we want biblical instruction, and as long as parents who don't want it, right, for instance, this is slightly different because I didn't go to a public school, but the Christian school that I went to, they had a sex ed course, and parents were told about the sex ed course ahead of time, and they had the option of opting out. And so I think similarly in the public schools, right, how we can avoid the establishment clause, right, where we don't establish a religion, is we say, like, listen, if the parents in a local community want this education, and the parents who disagree have a sufficient means of opting their students out, right, I think we can solve this, right, we can add some morality back into the classrooms, 
but also not respect one religious view over another. I think if it's an elective class that people can opt in and out, I don't see any problem. I would prefer Christianity, but if it's Islam and students want to opt in and take, because I've taken courses on Islam simply for the fact that I want to know who I'm talking to and what they're talking about and their beliefs, not because I'm going to convert or anything, but knowing who you're talking to is always a good thing, never a negative thing. Let's look at this second quote here. This is by John Adams. It says, suppose a nation in some distant region should take the Bible for their only law book, and every member should regulate his conduct by the precepts there exhibited. Every member would be obliged in conscience to temperance, frugality, and industry, to justice, kindness and charity towards his fellow man and to piety love and reverence towards almighty god what a utopia what a paradise would this region be i totally agree and again just again goes to the fact that we need moral character but john adams acknowledged right that's a utopia and the system of government that he and the rest of our founders went out to outline very explicitly rejected utopianism because like we have to check and balance because Utopias aren't going to happen this side of heaven. I like that quote because he's saying, look, if everybody followed the Bible faithfully, we would live in a utopia. And I know many atheists or many people of different religions who will say something to the effect, I love your Jesus, I just don't like Christians. Or I love your Jesus, but I don't like religion. Well, they're acknowledging that the teachings of Jesus if everybody would follow them, they can live by that. At least verbally, that's what they're saying. And so that's what Adam is saying. And that's what Joey and I are looking forward to when we do get to heaven. It will be that utopia. But just because that's what we want, we would never force it upon somebody else. We could only govern and persuade people as far as government goes to laws that are naturally applicable to all of us. And that is with laws dealing in relationships to one another. When it comes to relationships dealing with God, in our case, Jesus, the Christian God, but if you are a Muslim or Judaism or Hinduism or Buddhism, we will never make laws or want to subscribe to laws that dictate how you have to worship. And that's key to both Joey and I, and key to our podcast. The father of separation of church and state and religious liberty. I love this guy. This is uh, Sir Roger Williams. He's the guy who started the colony of Rhode Island. Now it's the state. But it was basically, this is where our idea of separation of church and state and religious liberty really got started in this country. He was a Baptist, I believe. But he says, But who is to decide who truly fears the Lord? The magistrate, the civil authority, has no power to enforce religious demands. The laws of the first table of the Ten Commandments are not regulations for a civil society or a political order. They belong to the realm of religion, not politics. Love that. I mean, I think that's, again, these ideas, sometimes people can think like, oh, are these just, you know, your fringe ideas? Like, no, these are the ideas that we're talking on this podcast that made this country great. And we talk about, you know, Christian nationalists talk about like, oh, we want a Christian nation. I don't actually think what they're advocating for is a Christian nation, right? And it, or at least it's not a historically Christian 
Protestant nation, right, which recognizes these principles of religious toleration and religious freedom. Let's go back to the OG. I like how he puts it. The laws of the first table of the Ten Commandments are not regulations for civil society or political order. And that's basically what I've been saying. You can worship whoever you want, whenever you want. And the same goes for me and Joey. However, we're not going to take that and try to force others to worship as we do. Our God, Jesus, you know, it's all about love and persuasion. He's drawing us near, but we will never use that to try to force others. Let's keep going with these quotes. The last one we have for today. Forced worship stinks in God's nostrils. I love that one. It's just, it's so just pungent, right? It's, it's great. But it's like God, speaking from a Christian perspective, he could have struck down Lucifer the moment in heaven he questioned his authority, but he didn't. He allowed Lucifer to develop his ideas, develop his government, right? Because he wanted to give people a choice, right? He's like, there's evil or there's good, right? Evil is going to play out this way. Good will play out this way. He's like, which do you choose, right? I think of what Joshua said, right? He says, um, choose for yourself this day who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord, right? It's like, and I forget where I've heard it, but I repeat it often, right? It's like, we have a dirty word for forced love in our society, and that's rape, right? God is not a cosmic rapist. So it's like, back to the point of our original video that we're reacting to, Eric Adams, you're certainly right to allow your religious views to influence, obviously, everything you do. Um, but I, I would urge you, right, if you ever see this video, I don't know that will happen, um, clarify a little bit on the separation of church and state because it's such a vital principle. And I like this quote, as you said, force worship stinks in God's nostril. And it stinks in my nostril, too, because I would hate to see anybody or myself included to be forced to worship like Catholics do. We're Protestants. And we have seen that when you try to enforce worship, it always leads to persecution. So a reminder to our audience today, Gio and Joey, regardless of your religion, will always be advocate for freedom of religion. Nevertheless, to my secular friends, our faith informs how we govern. We're just not going to impose our particular religious belief on society. However, those common laws like murder, steal, and other nuanced laws we're going to be informed by our faith and we will come to the public square with that knowledge and try to persuade people to the morality that is only found in Jesus Christ. Until next time, have a great day. Be blessed. And thank you, Joey, for another episode.